Hi, I'm Lucy Smith, a business consultant and recruitment specialist focusing on the lab space here at CM Life Science. For today's episode of CM Conversations, I'm looking into what it's like to be a woman in the biotech space. To really get a good understanding of this, I tracked down senior leader and vice president of Matfield Technologies, Melissa Gemmel. We touched on topics such as female role models, as well as the trials and tribulations that women in the life science space go through and how you might overcome those challenges. Anyway, I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Melissa, and as always, if you want to get involved in this conversation, or even be a future guest yourself, you can email us at cmconversations at charltonmorris.com. That's enough from me though, here's my conversation with Melissa and what it's like to be a woman in the biotech space. Hi Melissa, it's great to have you here with us today. Um, for the purpose of our audience, can you please just introduce yourself for us in some more detail? Of course. Uh, thanks for having me, Lucy. It's great to see you. Um, so uh, I currently work for Matfield Technologies, which is um, three companies in one. So it's Qualler, which is a SaaS cloud-based software solution uh, for um uh, calibration companies, as well as asset management for, for um, mainly in the life science space. Uh, Matt Phil is also pipette.com, which is a great um, B2C um, online and phone platform for selling um, uh, laboratory consumables and, and, and some smaller um, uh, pieces of equipment. And then we also have Oxford uh uh, lab products, which is our own brand of um, laboratory um, products. So we've got some pipettes on that side, some some tips, some other kinds of um, uh, liquid handling and plastics. So I am vice president of um, uh, business development for, for all three companies. Um, my background has always been in life science. So I started in the lab. I've sold capital equipment. I've sold uh, consumables exclusively. Um, I've worked for small companies, big companies, family owned, publicly traded. <laughs> um, it's, it's been uh, 27 years. So I've been in the industry quite a long time. No, exactly. And and that's exactly why we're speaking, because you heard in my previous podcast, and it's a great platform to talk about important things. And an important thing to you is the women in the bio space. So as a senior leader, I'd be interested to know, Melissa, who have been your main role models throughout your time and development? Yeah, so that's, that's a great question. And, and to be honest, um, most of my uh, people who I've reported to, sales managers and that kind of thing have all been male. So um, I really could think of maybe two at the most who have been female. So um, it's it's a little bit different. So in terms of role models overall, um, one of the reasons I got into, well, I've always been interested in science since I was a child, um, but the person who I always admired the most in science was Jane Goodall. So I've read all of Jane Goodall's books, um, even the children's books she wrote for her son. Um, to have a person who started out as a secretary for a biologist and then to be dropped into um, the field and to have come along the way she has come along, actually, um, met her once in an airport and I was so um, terrified I couldn't speak to her. <laughs> 
to have the person who is, you know, and I wrote her an email at, sorry, I, I tweeted her afterwards and I, I sent her a tweet and I said, I feel so dumb because I had this person who I've admired the most in my scientific career and basically one of the people who was responsible for me being here today. Um, and I couldn't talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> and she replied, you know, she said, thank you for contacting me. I understand. And it was really gracious. But um, so kind of overall, she has been an inspiration for me and still still is to this day because of of how, where she started and how she got there. And it was really through her own merit and and grit and figuring things out for herself that she got there. So. I found a lot of parallels with that um, and, and, and something that have, I've really been inspired by our, our colleagues who female colleagues. So for me, I, I, I had a little bit different experience in that I went to an all women's college um, and we graduated 10 in biology. Um, so there were literally 10 of us. <laughs> <laughs> who went through together and came out and and uh, came out the other side and and started in in the industry and and so over the years I've met some really great inspiring women who were colleagues um, whom who I, I got to learn a lot from and and um, in in management most recently um, the the women who I hire who I've worked with uh, I, I've, there are a couple of them who really stand out because I've learned a lot from them um, as, and, and applied it to my personal life as well as my professional life. So um, that's really, that's really it for me. A lot of really amazing colleagues. Exactly. And being able to be inspired by people in the space, as well as those around you that you work with is very important. And being a senior leader yourself in the space, how do you choose or try to inspire people or young women coming into bio themselves? So I, I try to be, um, I've learned a lot in managers and in, in management rather. Um, and, and I try to say, you know, try to instill as much self-confidence as possible. Um, when I hire people, um, I'm, I, I try to be clear to say, listen, I've hired you because you have a certain skill set. I admire that skill set. Uh, I want to learn from that skill set. And I want everyone around us to learn from that skill set. But I'm not going to be um, managing every minute of your professional life. So I, I, I've hired you to do a job. You're a, a grown-up. I expect you to do that job to the best of your ability. And my job is to remove obstacles. So I want to remove those obstacles so that you're um, as as um, you're you're free to work um, in an environment, then make your own decisions. So so one of the things that's uh, most important for me is to instill that kind of confidence in, in, a, in a person, specifically in a woman, to say, you know, you're going to be in this, you're going to be in rooms with mostly men. And I don't know how you feel about that, but you know just as much as they do. And you need to be able to say, wait a second, I have something to say. And don't feel that you can't do that. So I've had the experience over the last 27 years of being the only woman in the room. And um, if you're, even if you're not, you need to be able to say, you know, I have something to contribute and you're, and here's what it is and be confident in that. Don't take it back. Don't apologize. 
just say, this is what, this is my, con my contribution. And, and I encourage that in, in women um, specifically. Mm, exactly. And that's really important, not just in life science, but in all aspects of life. If, if you are in a room and you've been invited there, you have a right to have your voice. And as you said there, you don't need to apologize. And if that is something that you found particularly challenging, Melissa, what else, you know, have you seen as a challenge in the space? I think my biggest challenge is, is opportunity and maintaining or, or, or um, being able to identify that opportunity as a mother. So uh, for, for me, I noticed a, a, it was a huge, I mean, it's a, obviously a lot of changes when one becomes a mother, um, <clears throat> if one so chooses. But um, when I started having children in the industry, it presented a, just a whole nother set of challenges that I hadn't hadn't really entertained because I just didn't have the experience. So, so having the experience and finding some great opportunities and then um, kind of working through that um, so that I, you know, I had, I had children and I had, I, you know, I had infants when I was working and, and, and I was nursing. So how does that work, you know, and, and trying to carve that out with all and give time to your babies and give time to your children as they grow up. And I still have that because they're still at my children are school aged. Um, so to, to be able to um, focus on your career and find some great opportunities for you personally and professionally while devoting in a huge amount of time to your family and children um, that's, that's a really big challenge. And, um, I think we've gotten, I hope that we've gotten some places, but I think, uh, so, uh, you know, forward in some places, but, um, honestly, there's, it's still asking women to choose in a lot of ways we still have to choose. And on the data, not only in the bigger picture, but on the day-to-day -day level, um, and, and if you have a manager who is, um, who understands that struggle and, and, and I, I'm lucky to have had a manager who understood all of that, who was really clear about family first and, and giving you that leeway so that you don't feel like you're, you're, you don't feel guilty or you have this internal conflict of, gosh, you know, my job is important because I need to feed everybody, but my kids are important because they are humans who didn't ask to be here. And now it's my responsibility to, to help, you know, to, to give them a good, a good upbringing. Um, so that to me has been the biggest challenge. It still is. Um, and I think for a lot of women, they just don't have that opportunity. They just don't have um, the ability to have both sides of that coin thrive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not a mother myself, Melissa, but I can understand that that could be very challenging for people trying to progress, whether that's um, going into a senior leadership position, preventing your personal life because you're concerned about that. But, you know, you said that that is a challenge and that's still a challenge for you, even though mm -hmm. your children are now growing. Um, but how would you say that you have overcome that challenge just to help advise other people in the space as well? Yeah, I think I think you have to um, find yourself in a position where uh, it's your you feel comfortable saying um, I need to to make a different choice today. And if you're not in a position and, and I can use um, um, 
a good example is, is uh, my uh, manager at Satorius for a while, Ryan Titmus, um, who I admire a lot. Uh, there was a, I had an experience where I was about to get on a plane. I was a couple of hours shy of getting, going to the airport. And my youngest son came in, just blood everywhere. <laughs> just a crime scene. You know, he was younger and crying. Kind of like, oh my God, what's going on? <laughs> I think he broke his nose. So I called Ryan and I said, here's my thing. I'm about to get on a plane to go do this. Um, the, and Quinn just came in, just, I think his nose is broken. He's like, it's a mess. It's a disaster. Like, I, I feel terrible. And he's like, take a minute. You know, he just said, relax. Is he all right? Yeah, I think he's fine. Okay, great. Family first. What do you need to do? Yeah. And see, and, and he's, what needs to happen now? Do you need to take him to get looked at what needs to happen. I said, I don't, I, I don't know. I think it's okay. He said, just work on that. And, and, and everything else is going to be fine. You know, so, and, and just having that support, you know, he wasn't swaying me one way or another. He was just giving me the runway to say, do what you need to do and I'll support it. And we'll figure the rest out. So I wound up going on the trip. I wound up leaving, getting on the plane not not being completely overwhelmed with guilt, not feeling like I've just made a terrible decision or I've, I've chosen a job over a child. I didn't feel like that because I knew I had the, I, I had the space and I had the support to be able to make that decision for me and for him, for, for my son. So giving people that kind of um, opportunity and giving them that support, a woman needs to feel like they have that. And if they don't have that, there are plenty of other places where you can get it. So you shouldn't go to work every day thinking, oh my gosh, I'm making a choice, you know, in favor of, of a job and not in favor of my child. A woman shouldn't have to make that choice too, because honestly, men don't have to. So we shouldn't have to either. So we, there are, there are lots of people and managers and, and companies and environments where one can really feel that they're supported in those decisions and they're not choosing one over the other. And I believe that that's possible. I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. It's about making that decision consciously yourself. I mean, at the end of the day, the client will still be waiting if you have to, you know, see your family um, urgently, but You've, you've spoken there about maybe equality and, and how do you think, Melissa, that, you know, we can make the biospace more interesting to women mm -hmm. coming in? What, what do you think that we can consciously do to change that? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And um, one of the things that for me I learned over the years is that when, you know, you, you have an idea that you want to be, for me, example, I, wanted, I knew I wanted to be a scientist of some kind. Um, when I graduated, I went right to the lab because that seemed like the natural progression. That seems like that's what one does when one graduates with a degree in science, right? And then over the years, you realize, gosh, that's not, that's, it's not the, the, the beginning, nor does it, it's, it doesn't have to be, getting, be the beginning or the end, right? You don't have to do that to start. 
there are myriad other opportunities. And I think that that's something that we just don't talk about that often. Um, you know, we, we have women and in, in, in they, they graduate with a, bio, a biochem degree or biology, and maybe they want the path of going into research. Maybe that's what they want to do. Um, maybe they want to continue their studies and, and go on to graduate school and, and PhD and all those things. But well, what I don't think we do a great job of is describing a lot of other ways that uh, other opportunities, other career opportunities. Um, so you don't have to start in research if, if you think, oh, gosh, I don't know how I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. But I know that I still want that I still am. Uh, glad that I studied what I studied. You know, there's sales, there's product management, there is, there are so many other um, ways in that you can develop a really strong career over time um, that doesn't necessarily have to just be research. Um, research is obviously incredibly important, but what, what I do is I also support that through working for a company that or companies in my past that have sold, you know, the right equipment, the right um, solution, the right whatever it is to make that person in research job better or easier. So and it's, it's, it's not, you know, you're not at the bench. Maybe you don't feel like you're creating something great, but gosh, there are so many opportunities in, in the field. And I just don't, I'm just don't think that we do a good enough job at, and the, the very beginning. And I think that maybe if, if women thought that, oh, well, I always thought it meant that, but you're saying it doesn't. Maybe if they realize that early on in their, in their education, then, you know, they, it, we'd have more people, uh, more women in engineering, more people in STEM, more people in chemistry. Um, and, and so I think that we need to do a better job um, uh, just kind of speaking to those to those opportunities. I think that's a really good point to make. Um, you know, it's not necessarily the idea that if you do a PhD in science or if you have a degree in science, that that might necessarily lead to you being a really successful businesswoman. And you said there that it needs to be talked about more. So would your solution to that problem be, you know, encouraging workshops, maybe having senior leaders come in and talk to these classes and say, you know, what you can do with your degree, where you can go, and it's not just the lab. It, what would your suggestion be to fix that? Yeah, so I had the experience once of being in a university and I was talking to uh, one of the physics professors and I, I don't remember how or why we just started talking. And she okay. said, you know, people like you should be coming to universities and colleges. You should be asked, you know, to come in and speak to people because they really don't know when they're in undergrad, what those opportunities look like or, or how to identify them or which ones that they think would be able to, you know, they might like someday, you know, it's hard to say when you're 20 something years old, what do you want to do? But I think um, kind of inserting it into, um, uh, into the curriculum or even a couple of days a semester, something like that, to have different kinds of people come in and say, hey, here's what I, I got the same degree you did, but here's what I do. And, uh, I, I, and, and there are different ways to do that. And I think we're coming around in a lot better uh, way and a lot more, a lot more holistic way now with actively pursuing girls and young women in STEM early on. Um, so that they have the opportunity maybe as kids to be able to experience some of these things and say, oh, I wasn't, 
you know, I, I thought being a mathematician, I like math, but I thought being a mathematician meant I'm going to sit at a desk and do, you know, equations all day. But you're saying I could be in, you know, um, engineering or, or, or I can work for NASA or I could, and, and, and saying like the opportunities here are endless, study what you love. And if you love doing this, you're going to find myriad people who will encourage you. And there's lots of different things that you can do. It's just not, you know, one thing and you're going to sit in that for the rest of your, till you retire. <laughs> no, exactly. And I think, again, that's really important, Melissa. And hopefully that someone in our networks will listen to this podcast and that might, you know, spur a change in them thinking, oh, maybe I will not be a technician and I might go into more of the commercial side of things. And um, that's obviously the point in having these conversations. What what I would be interested to know is what would you give the advice to to that person who is thinking about taking that leap and making that change in their career move? I would say find use use um, the likes of LinkedIn. Use um, the places. Um, sites like women in bio find mentors find women who remind you of yourself or women who you aspire to be like and 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 get free advice you know there's women in bio before the before covid i was pretty active in that and and going to networking sessions where you can you actually can meet these kind of people so if we can't do it in person now we can do it virtually and maybe doing it virtually also opens up a lot more um, chances to meet these people, right? So I think that young women should be able to find women who they want to emulate or they're, that's a career path they're thinking about and, and ask for the mentoring. And, and I've done that personally on LinkedIn when I've reached out to people and say, I'm looking for a mentor here. Would you be willing to help me? And no, people don't say no to that. If, so, if a young woman reached out to me on, on LinkedIn and asked me the same thing, there's no way I would say no to that. I mean, you know, and say, okay, well, here's what I did. You don't have to do what I did, but here's what I did. And here's, um, here's some choices that I made. But hey, I know two other women or three other women who made different choices. And now they're doing this. Maybe, you know, that's something you'd be interested in. So finding mentoring early on, um, I think is is a really helpful way to kind of help young women kind of start that navigation process for what they think that they want to do and and uh, I can't um, I can't say enough about gaining experience. Um, there are internships and you know getting out of your comfort zone. You know getting um, I, I know when I left the bench I left the bench because. Um, I was working for some very small um, experimental type startups that just weren't, the technology didn't pan out. So uh, my boss at the time came to me and said, you talk a lot at the bench. Would you consider sales? I said, oh my gosh, no, like, I don't want to do that. That's not what I want to do. And here I am, right? That was in 1997. So <laughs> I'm still here, right? So, um, but that wasn't something I was comfortable with. It certainly wasn't something I had previously considered. So to having someone who came to me and said, you could, you might want to try this, that was a huge leap of faith, right? And, and so getting women, getting mentors who will encourage that kind of thinking outside of where you're comfortable and, and, and challenging yourself you can just gain so much experience that you can use, you know, as you, as you grow. 
Exactly. And I think from what you've just said there, it's fair to say that your best bit of advice is, is to try new things and not be afraid to do that. And hopefully from whoever's listening to our podcast today that, you know, they'll take that advice on board. And I think I just want to thank you very much for your time. And I'm looking forward to the feedback that we both receive from this. So that was my conversation with Melissa Gamble, Vice President of Matfield Technologies, and I hope you enjoyed it and found it as inspirational as I did. As always, if you want to get involved in this conversation or even be a future guest, email us at cmconversations at charltonmorris.com. I've been Lucy Smith, and thanks for listening.